Welcome to the Suicide Prevention and Awareness Podcast, part of CBP's Shine a Light Suicide Prevention Program. Today, we are talking with Director Kate and Dr. Kent Corso, a clinical psychologist specializing in suicide prevention. In this episode, Kate and Dr. Corso discuss her experience as a loss survivor. Hi, and welcome to our monthly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today and to our guests for being with us. Just a few caveats before we get going. I am a clinical psychologist, so I am a doctor, but I'm not the doctor for our guest. This isn't therapy or counseling, nor is anything we talk about today going to involve or constitute medical advice. This is just a conversation. Another disclaimer is that suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. It's not one that we can discuss vaguely or indirectly if we hope to make a difference. So for our listeners out there, we are going to have a frank conversation today. If by any chance you have lived experience or you are triggered, if anything we discuss is upsetting or distressing to you, please reach out for help. Reach out to those who care for you and love you and reach out to those who you love. If you're a CBP employee or family member and you need help, you can always contact a peer support member, chaplain, or veteran support member. Or you can reach out to our employee assistance program. If you are not a CBP employee, you can always call 1-800-273-8255, which is the National Suicide Lifeline. Today, our guest is Kate. Thanks for being with us, Kate. Thanks for, uh, for having me today. So when we asked you to be on the podcast, it was because you are a suicide loss survivor. So for our listeners, what that means is she has a loved one who has died by suicide. Now, Kate is also an Army vet, and her lost loved one was also a veteran. Kate, tell us a little bit about your experience with suicide being a loss survivor. My husband, he passed away um, in 2012 due to suicide. He went through a lot of mental health issues and just a culmination of various different things, just from work, work stress. Used to be, he had a miscarriage with a baby. And then from, you know, just from his deployments previously to Afghanistan, because he did two deployments, one as a contractor and one in, when he was active duty army. And from childhood trauma. So it just all came together, started having hallucinations, was seeking help doing everything that he needed to do. And one day something triggered him and he thought he was better off just leaving my daughter at the time, me and my daughter, and uh, he took his own life in, in the backyard. Yeah, he called me. Uh, I was sitting at work that day. My daughter was at daycare. She was one and a half. She's almost 12. She'll be 12 in July. But, you know, he called me and said, Kate, call the cops. And I knew something at that moment was wrong. I got in the car and I drove home called the cops on the way over there, and I found him in the backyard. I am so sorry to hear that. And he had the wherewithal to call ahead, though, to try to minimize the impact on your daughter. And he left a suicide note saying he just couldn't stop fighting. Hmm. So, um, and then he was really, really sorry. And, and so that's what you describe. Thanks for sharing that, Kate. That's very personal. What you describe is pretty common where the person leaves a note, they apologize for what they're doing. And at the same time, they feel like, you know, maybe those who live on without me will be better off when I'm gone. 
we often hear people who are suicidal, they feel like a burden or they feel like they're a pain or, a, or a, just a, a drag on their family, their friends or coworkers, what have you. And so as a family member who has survived that loss, are you and your daughter better off without your husband? No, it has been, you know, the first couple of years, very, very challenging. I went instantaneously to being a single mother providing for my daughter. She's one and a half, so she doesn't know who her father is outside the memories that her grandparents and I tell her and share with her or pictures. But no, we're not better off, right? You go from financial aspect to just, you know, the love of your life, just not being there. And the challenge that his family, like his mom and dad and the burden, you know, from them just living with that, it's, we're better off if, if they're here. And, you know, it's just, it was very challenging. I mean, because when he passed away at the time, I, I had just gotten out of the Army myself. And I didn't have my degrees at the time. I joined the Army when I was 19 years old. So I was going from a single mother with no college degrees, contracting for the government. What was I going to do, right? Because bills had to be paid. And he wasn't there to help out. So, I mean, I eventually went back and got my bachelor's and master's in psychology. and. You know, my daughter is thriving, but she doesn't know who her father is. Right. It's sort of a, a hole or a chasm or a gap that's left there that really can't be filled. She'll, she'll always have questions. We know that even kids who have been adopted, even if they never knew their parents, something in, in human development that happens is we grow up and we wonder. We wonder about kind of where we came from and who we came from. And she's left with that stigma of like, you know, of, you know, as she gets older, you know, will she go through the same things that he went through or kind of living with that? Like, why wasn't I enough? And she's not cognizant of how he passed at this time, but they they are the secondary and tertiary effects that, you know, she's going to have to live with as she gets older. And, you know, she finds out what really happened with her dad. And then living with that trauma is just going to be another Band-Aid or another wound that, you know, that she's going to have to work through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it needs to work through. What we do know is that when we have a first degree relative who dies by suicide, it puts us at a slightly higher risk because the idea of ending our lives seems much more plausible. It just seems more feasible. It seems more familiar. So that is unfortunate that that's something that she has now been left with. And just, you know, the challenges, I mean, she goes to school every day and other kids have like the, whether it's like not a broken home, but like a mom or a dad, but they, they do have like that father figure and she doesn't have that. I mean, she has great role model, like male role models in her life, but not a father. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's something unique. It's just a male isn't a male, just like a female isn't a female. There's something unique about the role of mom and dad, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And certainly uh, we may have families and, and different cultures where multiple family members are involved in the upbringing, but it works differently for every family. Thank you for sharing that with us, Kate. It, it's pretty important to realize that not only does the surviving spouse and the children suffer, but also, like you mentioned, his parents. So it, it really does affect people from so many different angles. And the idea that everybody's going to be better off if I end it is just not true, right? Ask a survivor, right? No, it's absolutely not true, you know? 
just going through through it, like not only the financial, but the emotional and physical, you know, impacts that that also has. And, you know, spiritual too, because I mean, if you're, you know, within really heavily involved in the church or that, then you begin to question, like, why did this happen to me? Right. And maybe you personalize it and say, how come it happened to me instead of someone else? What did I do to deserve this or to earn this? Right. Absolutely. It has so many different impacts and it takes years, if not a lifetime, just to process and go through all of it. Well, thank you for sharing that very deeply personal uh, part of you, Kate. One of the reasons why we want to talk about this is that if there are any listeners out there who have recently been thinking about suicide, to help them understand that the types of thoughts people have when they're in that state and they're so emotionally distraught and they're so upset, the types of thoughts they have are usually not on target. And one of those misfires that they have is people would be better off without me. So fantastic that you're willing to share that personal part of your life to help our listeners understand it's really not worth it. That is a misfire to believe that we are all better off without you. You also are in a particular part of uh, CBP that is relevant to seeking help. So if we could just maybe talk for a minute or two about that, you work in somewhere in intelligence. Is that a fair way to, to paint it with a broad brush? That is absolutely correct for over 19 years now. So with that, a lot of questions that come up is about security clearances and being able to get the help yourself. If you're struggling, whether regardless of whatever trauma you're going through, it could be financial or mental or emotional, there's so many different factors. It is okay to seek help. Your security clearance will not be in danger. It may be on pause for a period of time, but if you're going through something, and like myself, because it takes years to, to go through this trauma, get help, seek help, counseling and therapy and talking through it. It is really, you know, helps long term. So you've not, so not only are you saying that just seeking help is not going to impact your security clearance, certainly not permanently. It may put it on hold for a temporary period, but once you get help and you're doing better, then it gets reinstated. Am I understanding you correctly? That is correct. Yes. There is within, with OPR or within, you know, the security realm, there are different levels or different criteria. And I would recommend you reaching out to them. I think there's a total of eight, eight different areas, whether that's financial, family, family counseling, if you have to go with the family or a grief counseling, just being able to go through there. I mean, that's not, you can go and it won't have any impact. In other words, there is a series of life events that the process is finally recognizing as, hey, this is going to happen, like a family stressor or losing a loved one. So grief. And for many of those reasons, they are sort of fine with you seeking help. In fact, they would encourage you to seek help because then you are a better employee in these sensitive circumstances when you're dealing with intelligence information that you have to be reliable and show good judgment and not be impulsive. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Yes. And in my position, as I serve as the director of the Northeast Regional Intel Center, which is pretty, pretty high, I do have employees, but not only to do it for your employees or your loved ones, but to do it for yourself, to want to make yourself, you know, get better and not push down all those emotions that come, come with it. 
if you are seeking, if you're feeling down or out or depressed or anxious, it's okay to get help. It's okay to talk through with somebody, you know, that's not going to be judgmental or you feel that you could just openly share your story to be able to work or develop a way forward to get better. For not only yourself, but your loved ones who, who really want you there and that are better off with you there than without you. Spoken from a lost survivor. Really appreciate your time, Kate. Appreciate your advice and guidance to our listeners. Is there anything else you want to say? I would say just if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your loved ones. You matter. And we need you. Absolutely. I think that's a great point is you matter. Whatever you're struggling with, there is something you have to live for. And you are worth continuing to fight that battle. You are worth it to continue to struggle through that difficulty to be able to enjoy the life that is worth living for you and that you're worth having. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Kate. Appreciate you. Thank you. This is part of our ongoing podcast series for suicide prevention and awareness. If you see someone struggling, say something. Asking them about suicidal thoughts may feel awkward, but you can help reduce suicide risk at home and in the workplace by tolerating that awkwardness. Simply ask, how can I help? And then just listen to the person. Make sure you ask them if they're thinking of ending their life. It really does make a difference. Thank you again to our guests. I really appreciate you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We'll speak to you again on our next episode. we